Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. As we look at Psalm chapter 138, verse number 2, I want to draw your attention there because it's a great verse in the Bible. It's a very important verse in regards to his scriptures. Verse number 2 says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Our God, first of all, has a great name, does he not? He's got a great name. He's got a special name. I hope that the name of God means something to you. I hope that when you hear the names of God, and there are many names that he has given in his scriptures, the names that he has for himself, I hope that that means something to you. You know, my wife, her name is Esther, and it's just one of a, a, a million names that exist, millions and millions of different names, and, and to many, the name Esther may not mean anything, but it means something to me, right? The name Esther is significant. It indicates some things, and it, it draws in my heart a, a love for that name because of the person that that name represents. And when you see the names of God, I hope that that draws a, a similar kind of feeling out of your heart, knowing the God of those names. When you see that Jesus, he gives himself the name that he is the good shepherd, I hope that that means something to you. I hope that you consider, wow, this is my shepherd. He looks over me. He cares for me. He leads me. He protects me. Sometimes he even needs to discipline me. But it's a great name, that name, the good shepherd. Wow, that's a special name. I love that name. I love the name Jesus. That's a great name. I hope that inspires you. And it, it, it's a name that you hold dear to yourself. And, and there's few things that are more precious than a, a person's name. And God has some great names. We looked at Isaiah. He is the high and holy one. He's got some great names. Special names. Significant names. But what God has said here is that he has magnified something above all of those names. He has elevated something above even his own names. And what has he elevated? What has he magnified? He has elevated his word in truth. God has elevated his word. I hope that that means something to you. Because if God has elevated his word, so should we. Amen? We ought also to elevate the word of God. We ought to hold it in high regard. We ought to view it with respect. We ought to consider it holy. It's a great word, and we ought to magnify it just as God has magnified it. So we see, first of all, that God has elevated his word in truth, but he continues before indicating that God has extended his word in testimony. Verse 4, all the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when... They hear the words of thy mouth. 
So what we see is that God has elevated his word. God's word goes up. And we also see that God's word goes out. That it has been preached. It has been proclaimed. And the kings of the earth have heard it. You know, praise the Lord that God has preached his word to the nations of the world. Amen? Praise the Lord that we have his word here today. Thousands and thousands of miles away from where God put uh, his word and inspired it and it was penned down by holy men of God as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Hey, we have God's word today and praise the Lord for it. Praise the Lord that we can be saved because we know the name of Jesus. We know that he is the son of God. We know that he is the savior of the world and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for the word that was given to us so that we could learn about our God and know how good he is and know how merciful he is, know how patient he is, and and we can glorify our God because of that. And so God has elevated his word. He magnifies his word. He has also extended his word out. He has proclaimed it and he has spread it out to the nations of the world, we all have the word here today, and praise the Lord for that. But here is the key to revival. Yes, God has elevated his word, God has extended his word, but you also need to know that God has an expectation of his word, which is this, that God expects his word to be trusted. Amen? God has an expectation of, on his word out of you and me. God has done his part. He has elevated the word. God has extended the word. But we have a responsibility to trust the word of God. Revival comes when God's word meets God's expectation that people trust. In it. First of all, spiritual life comes when you trust God's word. Amen? Because you need to trust God's word if you are going to be saved. There is no reason why you would be able to expect that there would be a heaven or a hell other than God's word said so. Right? You've been to heaven? You've been to hell? Anybody seen those places? Anybody know anybody who's been to those places? And come back and explain, oh, this is what happens. No, the only reason why we know there's a heaven and a hell is because God said so in his word. And you have to trust that. You have to trust that the creator of the universe, the one who lives outside of time, knows that there is a heaven and there is a hell, and after you die, there is a judgment. And you will end up in one of those two places. If you are going to be saved, you need to trust God's word. And those of you that are saved, you're saved because you trusted God's word. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I go out door knocking and inviting people to church and I tell them, you know, hey, where where are you going to go after you die? A lot of people say, well, I don't know. I want to know. And and all of these different things. And I ask the question, if if you were to die today, If God were to take your life right now, are you 100% sure that you go to heaven? Most people say, well, I'm pretty sure. 
right? I, I, I'd like to go. Well, I've done some good things and things like that. But the Bible says, these things have I written unto you that ye may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you're on your way to heaven. And the only way you could know that you're on your way to heaven is because God said so in his word. God says that if you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be your savior, you will be saved. And praise the Lord for that. Spiritual life comes when you trust God's word more than anything else. Because you'll have some people that will tell you other things outside of the word of God, that disagree with the word of God, that contradict the word of God. And you've got to decide who you're going to trust. Are you going to trust God and his word, or are you going to trust your family? Are you going to trust God and his word, or are you going to trust some quote-unquote academic expert? Are you going to trust God and his word, or are you going to trust some religion? Are you going to trust God and his word, or are you going to trust, well, this is what makes sense to me, and this is how I see it? Are you going to trust God and his word more than you trust your own experiences? The question comes down to, will you trust God and his word more than anything or anyone else? That's how spiritual life begins. And that is for the Christian how revival begins as well. You need to trust God's word more than you trust anything else. You need to trust God's word more than you trust yourself. You need to trust God's word more than you trust money. You need to trust God's word more than you trust your friends, more than you trust your feelings, more than you trust your family. If you are going to have revival, you need to trust God's word more than anything or anyone else. So the question is, do you want revival? Do you want revival? I mean, do you really want revival? Are you desperate for revival? Are you seeking revival? Are you looking for revival? Because God has made it clear, if you're going to get revival, those of you that want revival, you need to trust God's word. You need to trust his, his word. And, and in this passage, in this 138th Psalm, I see four results of trusting God and trusting his word. First of all, I see that there is a revival of words of praise. In verses number one and two, we read, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy faithful or and for thy truth. You see the words of praise in the heart of David in the first four verses, four times the word praise appears. And praise comes from a full trust in God's word. Praise comes from a full trust in God's word. Because when you read the first two verses, 
he is not, this is David, by the way, he is not praising God just for the things that happened in the past. And first of all, there are many things we can praise God for in the past. If you're saved, you can praise God for salvation, amen? And you can praise God for what he has done, maybe in this church, for what God has done, maybe in your family, maybe for what God has done in your life. And those are all things that we can and should praise God for. But he is actually praising God for things in the future. Verse number one says, I will praise. He says, I'm going to praise thee with my whole heart. And he says, before the gods, will I sing praise. Verse number two, I will worship and I will praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. What he's saying here is, I trust God enough to praise him for things that have not yet happened. That's a full trust, amen? That's a full, complete, 100% trust in God and his word. I will praise you, God. For when you do these things, I will praise you for your goodness, for your truth, for your loving kindness. When you work the work of your hands, I will praise you for those things. Because he had a full trust in the promises of God. Because you and I know the promises of God are true, are they not? They are true. Matthew chapter 5 verse 18 says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass. One jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Jesus has made it clear. Hey, all of these things may pass away. All of these things will fail, but my word will not fail. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What God is trying to tell us is, my word is sure. You can trust the word of God. You could trust the Bible, amen? You could trust what God has said It's going to happen. And we can look at the past. And we could see the, the prophecies of the past fulfilled in the past, right? You could see the prophecies of Daniel regarding the nations of the world and see, wow, God really does know the future. His word really is sure. You could see the prophecies regarding Jesus Christ, regarding his birth, regarding his death, regarding his life, and see, God's word is sure. God's word is truth. And you can trust God's word for your future as well. When you have revival of trusting fully in God's word, you can have a guaranteed praise. Because you trust in it. Hey, things might not look good today. It might not look good right now. But I know what's going to happen. I know that I'm going to be in heaven. Amen. I know that God will provide. I know that God will always be there. And so I can praise the Lord for that. And when we have a full trust in God's word, we can live every day in praise. There's a revival of words of praise. Secondly, I see that there is a revival of walking in his path. Verse number five says, yea, 
They shall sing in the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. When you trust God's word, you walk in his path. When you trust the word of God, you're going to walk in the ways of God. Amen? Right? When you trust God's word and God says, I want you to walk this way, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to walk this way. And when he says, turn left right here, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to turn left. Why? Because you trust him. When you trust the word of God, you will walk in his path. You know, what God is trying to tell to us is, God knows just a little bit more than we do. Does he not? He knows more than we do. He's seen more than we do. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows better than us where we're going to be, what we're going to do, how we're going to react. He knows all of these things more than we do. What God is trying to say is he doesn't see things the way that we do, right? He doesn't see things the way that we do. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Here is uh, uh, the prophet Samuel. He's looking to anoint the next king of Israel. And in verse number 7, here is Samuel. He's with David and his family. Of course, we know that eventually he will anoint David. But he's there with the family. He's with Jesse. He's with the different sons. And the first son comes along. And, and Samuel looks at him and he's like, whoa, that guy looks like a king. Right? You just need to put that crown on there and sit him on a throne. And man, that, that's picture perfect. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You know, we look on the outward appearance because we can only look on the outward appearance, but God can see the outside and the inside. God can see it all. God knows more than we do. Therefore, he sees things differently from us. He sees things better than us. He doesn't just see things differently from us. He sees things better than us. That's why he says in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know what God is trying to say? I know more than you do. I don't see things the way that you do. Therefore, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's why we should trust his word, amen? Because he knows more than us. And his way is higher than my way. And his thought is higher than my thought. That's why he says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. What God is trying to tell us in this psalm is if you fully trust his word, you will get a revival. A revival of walking in his path. And not just walking in his path, but enjoying the walk in his path. Verse number five. Yea, they shall sing. In the ways of the Lord. Did you know that you can enjoy living for God? Did you know that? 
Right? The world out, seems, out there seems to make it seem like, oh, if you're going to serve God, you're really going to be suffering. Man, that's a real suffering. Wow, you're really making a big decision, and you're suffering for the Lord. But you know, this verse seems to indicate that when you hear the word of God, and you trust the word of God, you'll enjoy living for God. Amen? You don't have to go seeking out the pleasures of this world. You don't have to go seeking out all of the, the adventures that are offered out there and, and go do all the things that all of the worldly people out there are inviting you to do and tempting you to do and pressuring you to do. You can enjoy this life because you have a trust in the word of God. There's a revival of walking in his path. Thirdly, I see that there is a revival of welcoming proximity. Of welcoming proximity, meaning you will enjoy being close to God. Verse number six says, Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. We read in First Samuel, or, uh, not First Samuel, Isaiah chapter 57, that God wants to revive the hearts of the humble ones and those of a contrite spirit. And when you pair that with this verse, you see that the proud he knows afar off, indicating that those that are humble and come to him and get revived, they're close to him. The Christian living in revival is close to God. Amen? He's close to God. Not only is he close to God, he enjoys being close to God. He enjoys that proximity with God. He enjoys the privilege of being close to God. He enjoys that privilege of being able to be next to him, to be able to walk alongside of him, to be able to hear him, to be able to see him move. When you get revival in trusting God's word, you will be close to God and you're going to enjoy it. You will have a fullness of joy because you get to be close to God and you want to hear the word of God. Amen? Amen? When you get revival, you want to hear the word of God. You want to read the Bible. As amazing as that might seem to some, you're going to want to read the Bible. You want to get, get, get in there and read it and study it and learn about God and, and see what he has to say for you and just be amazed that God wants to speak to you. And God has words that are just for you. And God can time things to be a help to you just in the time that you need it. You're going to want to hear the words of God. You're going to want to read the Bible. You're going to want to hear preaching. You're going to want to hear teaching. You're going to want to be around the word of God. You're going to want to hear the words of God. When you get revived, you're also going to want to be around the work of God. Because when you're around God, you'll realize that God's always at work. God's always at work. God's always doing something. God's not just sitting around. God's not just taking time off. God's not just relaxing. What God is doing is he's working. God's busy. God is a busy God. He's trying to reach people with the gospel. He's trying to help his children to grow. And he's trying to do the, some things for his people. He's trying to provide for them the things that they need. And he's trying to discipline them when they need some discipline. He's trying to build up his church. God is a busy God. He's doing some things. God is working. And when you get revival, you're going to want to be involved in that work. 
You're going to want to be involved in the work. You're going to want to be involved in the work of, hey, there are people out there that are lost, that they need to be saved. They need to trust in the name of Jesus Christ. They need to hear that, and I want to be a part of that. God, if you'll use me, I will lead somebody to you so that they can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be their Savior. So that they can know that heaven is their home. When you get revival, you want to be involved in the work of God. You want to serve other Christians. You want to do something for another brother or sister in Christ. You want to encourage them. You want to do something for them. You want to help them where they are. You want to get them also involved in some service. You want to be around the work of God and you want to be around the people of God. When you get revival, when you trust God's word, you want to be close to God. You get to be close to God. When you're close to God, you want to hear from God. And you want to be a co-laborer alongside of God. And you want to be around the people of God. Many of you are familiar with Psalm 23. It's a great psalm, well-known psalm. It's a psalm about a sheep who's writing about a shepherd. And it's a sheep who is close to this shepherd that he is writing about. He's writing as a sheep that is alongside of the shepherd, alongside of the one who is leading him, alongside of the one who is guiding him and protecting him. Psalm chapter 23, verse number one says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Surely goodness and mercy, this is verse 6, shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see that a sheep that is close to God lives satisfied. This is a satisfied sheep. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you see the satisfaction that is in the sheep? You know, there's a lot of people out in the world that are dissatisfied. They're dissatisfied. There's a lot of Christians that are dissatisfied. They're dissatisfied with life. They're dissatisfied with some relationship. They're dissatisfied with their finances. They're dissatisfied with their work situation. They're dissatisfied with what their friends said or did or whatever the case might be. There's a lot of reasons for dissatisfaction, but a sheep that is close to God can live satisfied. They can be content with where God has placed them. He can be content where God has led him. He can be content with what God has given to him. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Hey, don't be living greedy. Don't be living thinking, oh, I, I want to have this and I, I want to have that. And there's some other things that are, are my goals in life. In terms of, I want more, and I want more, and I want more. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. You know, God is telling us, don't be greedy, be content. Well, how can we be content? For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. A sheep that is close to the shepherd lives satisfied. He lives a satisfying life. He might not be the wealthiest person, but he's satisfied. He might not be the CEO of his company, but he's satisfied. 
is not able to maybe do everything that all of his social media friends are doing and showing off all of the places that they go and all the experiences that they have. He may not have that, but he, he still lives satisfied. And let me tell you what, all those people out there that are trying to show off, you know what they're doing? They're trying to show you that, oh, look at me, when deep down inside they're living dissatisfied. There's a dissatisfaction in their hearts. And that's why they feel like they got to show it off to you so that they can make you feel dissatisfied so that they could get satisfaction out of your dissatisfaction. It's a weird world that we live in. But you know what? A sheep that lives close to the shepherd can live satisfied no matter what anybody else does. No matter what comes his way, he can live satisfied. A sheep that is close to God is secure. Psalm 23, verse number 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. You know, there's a lot of insecurities in life, right? A lot of things that you don't know what's going to come down the road. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen next week. You don't know what's going to happen next year. And you can live in fear of all of those things. Well, what if I make the wrong decision here, and then that's going to lead to this and all of these things, and I'm going to have all of these troubles and problems and trials, and, and I don't know what to do. And then you look on the other hand, well, if I make another decision, then, then maybe these things will happen, and you can live in, in paralysis and, and a fear and all of these things. But a sheep that is close to the shepherd, he lives with those same uncertainties in terms of he doesn't know where he's going, but he can still live secure. You know why? Because the shepherd's right next to him. He may not know where he's going, but he knows that he's fine because the shepherd's right next to him. He may not know what's over the next mountain range, but he can live secure because he knows, well, I don't know what's over there, but I know who's standing next to me. I know it's my shepherd. I know that he'll protect me. I know that he will lead me. I know that he'll make me to lie down in, in green pastures. I know he's going to lead me there, and he's going to put me there, and he's going to protect me there, and he's going to do some things for me there, and a sheep that is close to God is safe. Verse number four and verse number five. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. A sheep that is close to the shepherd is safe. He's safe. There might be enemies all around, but he knows that he's safe because the shepherd's right here. You know, you're in a dangerous place when you're far from the shepherd. Because sheep don't really have any real protection, do they? Right? You know what comes off of a, of a sheep? Wool. That hardy, protective material of wool, right? No, it's soft, it's fluffy, you know? You use it to keep you warm. You don't use it to protect yourself, right? That's what sheep have. Sheep are not particularly fast, right? You don't see sheep like running across the plains and things like that and, and all of these. They're not able to outrun their predators. Hey, sheep don't really have any real protection outside of the shepherd. But a sheep that is close to the shepherd still has nothing to fear. He can live safe. And when you get revival, 
you get to be close to the shepherd. When you fully trust God's word, you get to be right next to the shepherd. And you get to live safe. You can live secure. You can live satisfied because you chose the shepherd. Because you chose him. Psalms 138, verse number 7 says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. I don't want you to get the wrong impression, though, which is that even though you live close to the shepherd, that doesn't mean that the enemies go away. The enemies are still there. The trouble is still there. The problems are still there. And that's not to say that if you live for God and you fully trust God's word and you, you totally just, whatever it is that God says, you're going to do it, you're going to obey it, you're going to live it, that doesn't mean that all of your problems go away. Now, one day we'll be in heaven and all of those things will be gone. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. Right? God will show and wipe away all tears from their eyes. Praise the Lord for that. One day we will get there, but we're not there today. But still, you can live satisfied. Still, you can live secure. Still, you can know that you are safe. And that's what revival gives you. What revival gives you is that you get to be close to God, and that is what brings satisfaction. That is what brings security. And that is what brings safety. Because your boss may not always be on your side, your friends may not always be on your side. Your family may not always be on your side. Culture may not always be there for you. Society may not be the ones to stand beside you. But you don't care because you're close to the shepherd. Lastly and fourthly, I see that when we fully trust God's word, there's a revival of his work of perfection. Verse number eight, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. There's a lot of things that you and I can find lacking about ourselves. Amen? Every one of us, in looking at our own selves, can find some things lacking in ourselves. Amen? Some things that we find about ourselves dissatisfying. I know that I shouldn't get angry, and yet I do. I know I shouldn't lust over these things, and yet I do. I know I shouldn't think these things, and yet I do. I know I shouldn't do these things, and yet I'm doing it again. Right? Right? There are things that you find about yourself that you find, you know what, I know that that's not, that's not right. I know that that's not what God wants. I know that that's not what is in God's word. There's a lot of things that we can find lacking about ourselves. And sometimes people look to a lot of different places to try to fix those things. They try to find the latest self-help book. Whoever's, I don't know, on 
Oprah or whatever, came out with a great book. This, is, this will change your life. You read it. You try to apply it. And then afterwards, it's just the same as before. It's just something different. Sometimes it's even the same things. And a lot of people look to their friends for advice. Wow, I'm struggling with this thing. What do you think I should do? All of these things. And go all sorts of different places. But you know what David said? What he said is, it's not me that will perfect many. What does he say? Verse number eight. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. You know God's trying to work on you? You know God's trying to work on you? You know God's still trying to work on you? You know God wants to work on you? You know God has given us his word? So that it would work on us? Did you know that's what the Bible's for? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect or complete. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You know what God is saying? Everything that you need has been here all along. All of the things that you struggle with in your heart and in your mind, God has given you the tools in his word. All the scripture was given to you. It was inspired by God and it's profitable for you that the man of God or the woman of God may be perfect Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You know why God has given to us all of this word? So that you could grow. So that God could work on you. This is the tool that God uses to work on you. Because you are God's workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk, on, walk in them. Sometimes people get the wrong idea that God is trying to use Christians to build something. When what God is trying to build is you. Do you realize that? That God is not trying to use the Christians here of Bible Baptist Church in order to build something. He's not using us for that. What he's trying to do is he's trying to build you. What did Jesus say? I will build my church. Who is the church? Us. It's you and me. What is Jesus trying to build? Christians. And you know what God is trying to say is, if you would just fully trust in my word, and let me use the tools of construction, I could work on you. I could be building through you. I could be building you. I could be working on you. But sometimes we don't want to trust his word. 
We don't want to listen to that part of his word. Oh, Jesus, that tool is okay, and that tool is okay, but don't use that tool. That tool looks scary. I don't want that tool. Give me a different tool. You know, that tool's okay. Oh, uh, what does that tool do? I, 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 don't, I don't want you to work with, on me with that tool. And what God is saying is, if you would just let me use all of my tools, if you would just let me use all of the scripture, I could work on you. I could build you. I could construct you. There's a song that I used to sing as a kid. I don't know if we sing it here, but it's the song, He's Still Working On Me. The chorus goes, he's still working on me to make me what I need to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. You know, the Christian life is not about what I do for God. It's about what God does for me. And trusting in God's word is allowing God to work on me and to work on you. John chapter 15, verse number 5 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. You want fruit? Of course you do. Everybody does. But without Jesus, there's no fruit. You know, Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You want Jesus to work on you? You want Jesus to produce some fruit through you? You've got to fully trust his word. John chapter 15, verse number 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit... He taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. He works on it. That it may bring forth more fruit. So do you want revival? Do you want revival? Of course you do. Everybody does. But let me ask you the same question in a different way. Do you fully trust the Bible? Do you fully trust God's word? Do you read it? Do you obey it? Do you apply it? Do you let it work on you? Do you let it change you? Or do you view it with skepticism? Do you view it critically? Do you view it as a way for God to work on you? Because if you're going to get revival, you need to fully trust it. You're going to need to fully trust God's word. But what God says is, if you would just fully trust his word, you can get a revival. A revival of the words of praise, of walking in his path. You can have that welcome proximity. You can be close to God, be secure, safe, be satisfied, and know that God will continue his work of perfection on you.